Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. All of us who are gathered here in the room and those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us as well. Uh, we, uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. This is our reminder that uh, no matter what happens in life, no matter what we face, that the Lord is present with us. And our hope is that as we gather to worship him, that we'll be aware of his presence, meeting us right here where we live. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin our service today. God, we are so grateful uh, for your presence with us, for your love for us. Um, no matter what happens, whether things are wonderful, whether things are uh, traumatic, no matter what is going on in our lives, you are with us. You meet us right where we live. And uh, on this uh, day of remembrance, as we, some of us are able to think back to uh, what happened on that 9-11 uh, so many years ago, uh, God, even then, you were with us, and you are with us still to this day. Uh, so we pray that uh, during this service that we will be aware of your presence, that we'll be able to receive from you the grace, the care, the wisdom, the peace, the forgiveness, the love, all that we need from you today, God, that we will be able to connect with the God who made us and loves us and is here. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him Christians in Ephesus, uh, that I, I pray for you all right now. I pray that you, out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this, that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Your love is deep. Your love is high. Your love is long. Your love is wide. Your love is deep, your love is high, your love is long, your love is wide, your love is deeper than my view of grace, higher than this worldly place, longer than this road I travel, wider than the gap you fill, deeper than my view of grace. Higher than this worldly place, 
Longer than this road I travel, wider than the gap you fill. Your love is as deep, your love is as high, your love is long, your love is wide, your love is deep, your love is high, your love is long. travel wider than the gap you fill deeper than my view of grace higher than this worldly place longer than this road i travel wider than the gap you fill Amen. Amen. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens, and you have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should even care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean's currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do praise you. And we lift up glory to you, Lord as the God who created everything that we see, Lord, the God who has dominion over all that is seen and unseen. Father, we thank you, we thank you for just being a God who created. Lord, this morning it's, it's a little rainy. It may not seem like it's a, um, it may not seem a joyous day just because of the weather. But Father, when, when we think of the, the moon and the stars, the sun, the planets, the universe, how can we not praise your name for all that you have done, for all that you are, for your, your creativity, for your imagination, Lord? And then you created us out of your richness and out of your, out of your glory and in your image. Father, how can we thank you? How can we praise you enough? 
I thank you, Father, for each person who's gathered here this morning and those that are joining us online. Lord, I thank you that you have not brought us together accidentally. You have brought us together this morning for a purpose. You've brought us together, Lord, to hear a word from you, whether it be through music, whether it be through scripture, whether it be through the word that you've given Pastor Rich to share. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear what it is you have to say to us this morning. And may we be transformed. May we be changed. May we go from here and take the word that you've given us today to a world who needs to hear it, a world that is hurting and dying, and you are their only hope. Father, be with us in the rest of the service. May everything that we say and do honor and glorify you and you alone. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Very good. Now take a few moments and pass the peace amongst yourselves as Pastor Rich comes to bring us the announcements and the word. We're going to have a little extra time to talk today after the service because we're having breakfast right after this. If you're able to stick around for 20 or 30 minutes after the service, uh, there's a group of guys back there in the kitchen now, I think, uh, kind of prepping stuff and getting things ready, some biscuits and gravy and probably eggs, and I don't know what all's back there, but um, hopefully you'll be able to stick around after the service, continue the conversation you were just in, uh, sit with somebody that maybe you haven't, don't know that well and get to know them a little bit over some, uh, over some church breakfast, I don't know, yeah, that might be fun. So uh, hopefully you got one of these little things when you came in, um, if not, I think there might be some more sitting back there by the offering box. And that just lets you know what's going on around here this week um, and lets you know that if you'd like to connect with us, you can go online and do that, livinghope.info slash connect, uh, or you can, uh, you can give online as well. Or for those of you in the room, you can grab one of those little green cards back there and just jot your prayer request or your comment or your question on that and drop it in the offering box. If you're giving today, you can drop it in there as well. Uh, just a quick reminder that you can give to Habitat now. A couple weeks ago, we had Jonah Besh here from Habitat for Humanity talking about how we're going to be partnering with them for a faith build again. So you can either do that online by getting to the, going to the little drop down and picking Habitat for the fund you want to give to, or you can just write it on your envelope. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more uh, probably next week. But um, Next week, I wanted to mention, is our birthday party. So if you didn't know that already, we're having a birthday party next week. We're turning 22, so exciting. I think there's a song in there. Anyway, um, and then uh, so after both services are over, we're going to have a little cookout. Hopefully, it'll be nice weather because we're, we're planning to be out in the yard next to the church right over here. It's kind of the backyard of the house next door, and uh, the, the church owns this house. And so we get to use the backyard when we want, including, uh, so we'll have, a, we'll have a bunch of, you know, shade tents and things like that set up, and uh, uh, Howard's bringing his big old trailer grill thing and going to be grilling the meats and everything. And, and so we'll have the meats and the drinks and the cake. And if you, uh, you want to bring a chair, that would be helpful because these don't do so well in the grass we discovered. We tried sitting on these one time just like, oh, just take a chair out there and you sink down into the grass. So we, we've got some plastic chairs, like 20 of them, uh, but we don't have enough for all of us. And you might not want to stand the whole time. Um, as you're sitting around eating your hot dog or burger or, or whatever. And some of you have already volunteered to bring some side dishes. That's fantastic. If you are doing that or you're planning to and you haven't already, please let us know what you're bringing so that we can just make sure we, you know, have got a variety of things uh, that are going to be available for folks. And uh, so, yeah, if you have a, one of those little pop-up camping chair or whatever chair that you take when you go to a uh, soccer game or something like that, you can bring that with you. Uh, if not, um, you can, you know, fight somebody for one of the plastic ones. Um, 
Uh, hopefully not too, too rough. But, all right, um, I think that's all I need to say about announcements and things. Um, so looking forward to celebrating with you guys next week, all of you who are able to be back with us. Uh, and you've got some notes there for this morning. Uh, uh, with it, um, it feels like there's been a few things that have come together to, to point me in the direction of what we're talking about today. And you can see uh, up at the top of your notes, I just put one nation under God. That, that phrase from our Pledge of Allegiance, um, uh, because I'm thinking, you know, it's 9-11, so I'm thinking back to that day. And, and I would ask for a show of hands, but I'm guessing most of you know where you were on that day and remember uh, what happened, unless you're too young. And then you're like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. Um, but that day that the Twin Towers fell, uh, I can remember that the church was young at the time, you know, because that was 2001, and we started, had just started a year earlier. We were just getting ready for our one-year anniversary, and uh, there I was in our little borrowed office space, and someone said, have you seen what's going on? No. And they had to drag a TV out of somewhere, and we plugged it in and, and watched as, um, as things unfolded and as towers fell. And... Um, we, I think most of us, if you, if you were old enough at the time, you can uh, kind of remember the, the surge of uh, emotions that welled up in all of us, and there was a surge of kind of patriotism, right, on the, on the heels of that, of feeling like united as a country, and, uh, and people around the world were kind of standing alongside us in our grief, and as we responded to the, the attacks of that day, uh, as we... Um, continued the work that, that lasted for a long, long time there at Ground Zero uh, with all of the first responders and those who were, who were working there. Um, <clears throat> and that, that idea of what does it mean to be a patriot, what does it mean to, to, to love your country, uh, has been kind of floating around in the back of my head for the last, uh, well, I guess a few years, I want to say. Um, it feels like uh, everybody in our in our in our political divisions that we experience here in this country, it feels like uh, each side in whatever political battle wants to kind of claim that title of patriot. Like, you know, we are the true patriots. We are the ones who love our country, and those folks on the other side of the divide, they are destroying our country, right? They're not true patriots. They don't love our country, or they don't love our flag, or they, uh, they're the ones who are destroying democracy, or whatever it might be. And so we, we, we want to, each side wants to kind of wrap itself in the flag, wrap itself in patriotism, wrap itself in being true Americans, and those folks over there aren't real Americans. And so, of course, we have to take back America from those other people who aren't really American or something. And there, sometimes there can be some other pretty ugly uh, racial undertones to some of those uh, comments and some of those people that, that say those things. Um, <clears throat> But it's had me thinking about what does it mean to be patriotic? What does it mean to love your country? And, and there are Christians who uh, talk about that in all sorts of different ways. There are some Christian groups out there that basically uh, reject all forms of patriotism. Uh, they, they, because of what they believe about our allegiance needing to be to God alone, uh, they refuse to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. They refuse to serve on juries, to serve in the military, to do all those kind of civic duty type things that we think of uh, as part of our responsibility as citizens. Um, and they, they feel like that's what they need to do in order to keep their allegiance pure to, to Christ. Uh, they feel like they need to reject all kind of uh, civic allegiances of those sorts. And you know that kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are others who, uh, who say, well, no, there is no tension at all between loving God and loving your country. And in fact, would see America as God's country and that like, we are specially blessed and, specially, and that we are unique in the world and uh, chosen by God for this purpose. And um, 
it's almost like the, the lines can sometimes blur, you know, between like, wait, are, are we loving God right now? Are we loving country? Or do those things always agree? Or do they, is there never any tension between those two? And I think most, most of us live somewhere in between those two kind of extremes, right? Uh, most of us live somewhere in the middle of that. And there was a book that I, I heard this author interviewed on one of the podcasts I listen to regularly. And, and I uh, got, his, got his book uh, from the library, thankfully. It was kind of nice. Um, and they had the audio book I could just check out, and I was able to listen to it and read along. So that was, that was one of those neat things that libraries do these days. Uh, Richard Mao is his name, How to Be a Patriotic Christian. So if you want to look that up later, if you want to borrow it from the library, you can, uh, or whatever. Uh, I don't have a physical copy to, to lend to you, unfortunately. Um, but he, was, he describes it early on in his book as uh, wrestling, like wrestling with what that looks like, and feeling that there are tensions sometimes between our responsibilities as Americans and our call as Christians. And, and where do we fall in this spectrum between one side that would say, look, you got to love it or leave it, right? If you don't love this country, if you don't love everything about it, you just get out. And, uh, and others who might be so critical of our country that they have a hard time loving our country at all or expressing any form of patriotism because they are so focused on the, our flaws and the things that need to change. So... Uh, where in the middle of all of that do we fit? And, and as a Christian, what does that look like for us? And so those have all been in the back of my head and, uh, and leading me toward this passage that we're going to look at today, primarily from 1 Peter. Uh, but to get there, I wanted to read these couple uh, and, uh, and see what you think of this. Um, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 7, where God says, For you are, a holy, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And from Exodus, out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, anybody want to tell us who God's talking to right there? What's that? Who, who's God talking to in those verses? Israel, yeah. God's talking to his people, Israel. It's in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy and Exodus. This is God's people after he's rescued them from slavery and he's taking them to the promised land. And he's telling them, look, you are a holy people, a chosen, chosen people, a holy nation, my treasured possession. And sometimes uh, we Christians, Americans, well-meaning, can take language that the Bible points toward Israel or toward the church and can kind of translate that to our nation, <laughs> And we can think that we as a nation are God's chosen people, a, a holy nation, a Christian nation. Uh, but there's, there's one group that the Bible does take that language that God used to talk about his, his chosen people of Israel. And there is another group in the Bible that, that those same terms are used for. Um, in fact, uh, Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the, the loudmouth one right? The one who got himself in trouble, the one who also got to experience some amazing things. Uh, Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration, seeing Jesus revealed in all his glory. Peter, the one who was able to walk on water with Jesus until he got freaked out by the storm and Jesus had to grab him and rescue him from sinking. Um, Peter, the one that Jesus said, you are, you are the rock. You know, he gave him the nickname Peter, rock, uh, and to replace his, uh, his given name, Simon. This Peter says to other believers in one of the two letters of his that we have in our New Testament, he says to the church, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He's using the exact same language that God had used for his people Israel and applying it to all of us, the, the church. 
He says, you're a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love, I love those, those two things there. He said, once you were in this situation, but now you've been brought into this one. Once you, you, you hadn't received mercy, you were, you were stuck out there on your own, stuck in your sins. Now God has been merciful. Once you weren't a people, you were, you were all sorts of different people, but now you've been brought together as this new people, this people of God, and this new holy nation, this chosen people of God. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. He calls the church foreigners and exiles. He, he says that in this world, uh, we don't really belong. You know, we, we, as Christians, we never will completely fit in. Now, this exile language was also pretty common in the Old Testament because the people of Israel spent quite a bit of time in exile, right? Having been defeated by the Assyrians for the northern kingdom and having been defeated by the Babylonians and hauled off into exile. And we'll talk about that again in just a moment. But he says, we can see ourselves that way as well today. He says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He says, we Christians are living among non-Christian folks, right? So we have a certain set of values that aren't necessarily shared by all our neighbors, right? He seems to be saying that there will always be some kind of tension between who we are and the people around us. That means that the values of God's kingdom won't always match up with the values of whatever nation Christians happen to find themselves living in. And that means us as well, as Americans. There will be sometimes things that, that American culture, American society values that we as Christians will have to say, oh yeah, sorry, can't go there. Uh, we don't see things quite the same way. Now there'll be all kinds of other things where we'll be able to say, yes, you know, hearty agreement, we are on the same page, you know, we value that, <laughs> that as well. But the reality is that we are foreigners and, and exiles. And we are called to live in a, in a way that that shows to the world um, God's grace, God's goodness, to live good lives. So he says there, in, then in verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. They, they were, the Christians in that time had some people they were trying to figure out, who are these people? Who are these Christians? Who are these followers of this Jesus? Because, you know, Peter's writing to people who live all around the Mediterranean world, all around the Roman Empire. And this Christianity thing, you know, was fairly, fairly new. It was kind of this Jewish subgroup out of Israel, this, this Jewish rabbi who, you know, amassed some followers and done some amazing things and then been executed by Rome. And now these folks are saying, well, yeah, you know, he was executed by Rome, but God raised him up. God was stronger than Rome. God was stronger than death, and he has exalted Jesus now to the place of honor at God's right hand, that Jesus rules over all things. And, and so instead of seeing it as like, you know, Caesar is at the top of the pyramid, and then his governors, and then all of us, they've got Jesus at the top of the pyramid, and then Caesar, and then his governors, and then 
who are these Christians? And they had weird worship things that they did, and they, they didn't necessarily do everything the same way that their Roman neighbors did. And um, there were rumors about, you know, they get together and they, they do this cannibalistic stuff with body and blood, and they're eating parts of their Savior. They, you know, they heard these, these wild rumors and accusations that got made against them. And he's saying, look, just live such good lives that, you know, you'll, by doing good, you'll silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so Peter's perspective there, living in the world he was living in, was like, okay, guys, you're, you're foreigners and exiles where you are now. There's, there's a great deal of tension between your values and the values of your, of your neighbors. So live good lives among them. Live in a way that shows who you are uh, so that people can see this. And, and yes, you respect everyone. You love your fellow believers. You fear God. You, know, you respect him. You put him at the top. And you honor the emperor. Right? You honor those. You, you submit yourselves to their authority. You know, uh, Emperors, governors, you submit to their authority. But as we have seen throughout history, and as we saw even in the text of Scripture, that doesn't always mean just doing whatever those authorities say, right? There will be times where Christians will stand up and will critique and will, you know, refuse to go along. Um, we were looking at that a few weeks ago when we were looking at uh, the story of Daniel, right, in the Old Testament. Daniel, who refused to bow down. Uh, oh, and I guess it was Daniel who refused to stop praying to God when they commanded him to. It was his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down to the idol and got thrown in the furnace. We were looking at those stories a, a month or two ago. And uh, this was a people living in exile, living in a foreign land, living surrounded by people who didn't share their values or didn't worship their God. But they nonetheless, we saw in Daniel's story, they honored the, the king of Babylon. They, they honored them. They were willing to submit to whatever punishment came their way when they participated in their acts of civil disobedience. They didn't resist it. They didn't rise up and riot. They... They lived the lives God had called them to live, and they submitted themselves to whether it was being thrown in a furnace or being thrown in a lion's den or whatever it might be, and God was with them. God protected them. And so Peter seems to be saying, look, we follow that pattern. We honor those that God has placed in authority over us, but our ultimate allegiance is to God. We, we recognize our citizenship uh, is not just here. The, the Bible seems to present this idea that almost like we've got this dual citizenship, um, in Philippians chapter 3, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, it's like we are citizens of a foreign land, and we live here now uh, in this place, but you know, we ha we're citizens here too, and, and Paul wasn't shy about claiming his Roman citizenship. He, he used it when he needed it, when it benefited him, right? He was not shy about saying, oh, I'm a Roman citizen. I was born a Roman citizen. It kept him out of some trouble on at least one occasion. And so we as Christians living in America... I'm, I'm thinking most of us anyway in here are probably citizens. I don't have any idea of your citizenship status or anything like that. Um, but, you know, we, we live here in America as citizens, and it's a beautiful thing. I am so glad. Um, I, if, in case I, I didn't say this earlier, I do love our country, all right? So um, and in case any of you are, are hesitant about that or wondering about that, we've, our house is festooned still in uh, red, white, and blue. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so 
loving our country, it, it's a good thing for us to love our country. It's a good thing for us to be glad for all the things that God has blessed us with. I think it's a good thing to participate in our uh, civil society, to, to vote, to, uh, to help decide who is going to be uh, you know, on our city council and county councils and you know, uh, the, the state level and federal level and all of that, right? Participate in every election uh, that I have the chance to participate in. At the same time, I recognize it's okay if you don't. It's okay if, as a matter of conviction, you feel like you can't do that. That's between you and God, really, all right? I'll encourage you to vote, but you answer to God, not to me. So, uh, so there's nothing wrong with loving our country. Uh, but we have to recognize as Christians that, okay, our true citizenship, our, our true identity is not as Americans, or it's not even more specific as Republicans or Democrats or something like that. Our true identity is found in Christ. Our ultimate allegiance is to him. Um, a few weeks ago when we were looking at that story of Daniel, uh, these verses actually came up in a, in a video from the Bible Project that we showed that day. Uh, these verses from the prophet Jeremiah, where he was giving God's message to the people of God as they were living there in Babylon. Uh, and this is, this is what Jeremiah said. Uh, he said, well, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. He was trying to help them to know how do we live in this foreign land? How do we live during this time of exile? How do we live among a people who you know, aren't our people? He says, settle in. You know, build a life. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So it's a good thing to, to love our country. And, and that, that analogy doesn't perfectly fit us as Americans, right? I mean, in some ways we live as foreigners and exiles because our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. But in some ways we live right here and now you know, because we get to participate in our democracy. You know, we, we thankfully live in a country where the government is of the people, by the people, for the people. right? Where we get to run for office, where we get to serve in, uh, in civil roles. We get to... Um, we get to vote. We get to participate. And so it's a good thing to, to seek the peace and prosperity of our land and do that in whatever ways that we can, right? One thing we need to remember, and I've mentioned this a few times uh, from, from up here, is that um, seeking the peace and prosperity of our city, of our state, of our country, sometimes Christians disagree about the best way to do that, Right? Some people will think, oh, the best way, the, the thing that will lead to the most prosperity or the most peace or the most well-being, that, that word peace isn't just an absence of violence, it's shalom, it's, it's this wholeness of life. The thing that will best lead to, to wholeness for all our citizens is, you know, to follow this path, to vote for these people, to, to follow their program. And others would say, oh, no, no, the best path to prosperity and to peace and wholeness is, is to, to follow this path and to elect these people. And, and so sometimes we as Christians find ourselves, you know, voting for different parties, voting for different people, working to implement different programs. And, I mean, that's okay. We have to be okay with that. There's just no way around that because God's word doesn't just give us, like, you know, policy on all these kinds of things. You know, it might, might say, yes, you need to love and care for the needy among you, but it doesn't say, and here's the role government should play in that, you know, or here's how you should implement that in your life together. Uh, you know, it says some things, but it doesn't, it doesn't really foresee the situation we find ourselves in as, as Americans. 
in a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So we seek the peace and prosperity of our land. We seek the good of our country. And we pray to God for our country, that it will prosper, that it will do well. In other, other parts of Scripture, talk about praying for our leaders, that they will lead well, that, that we can have peace. Uh, pray for all of those in authority over us. We don't just respect them, as it described, or submit to their authority, as we just read. But we also do pray for them. Pray for our president. Pray for our governor. Pray for our mayor. Pray for all of those who are giving their lives in service to us. Um, one, one uh, uh, thinking about loving our country, uh, one thing that has sometimes bothered me, but uh, this book helped me, this Richard Mao book about being a patriotic Christian, really, really helped me uh, with. Um, well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. It was good this past Wednesday night to, to have uh, missionaries, uh, Vidal and Marie Cole, with us. They were right here uh, from Sierra Leone. They shared with us and with some folks from other churches about the work that God is doing there, the work that God done in their own hearts and lives, the work that God has been able to do through them. And they shared some pictures. And if you missed it, it's all on our YouTube channel and Facebook page. And you can go back and you can watch it. Uh, I'd encourage you to do that uh, because there are some great things going on. Uh, there in Sierra Leone and in the West Africa field, several different countries uh, that now he is the field strategy coordinator for. And pray for them because they're getting ready to move from Sierra Leone to uh, Lagos, Nigeria, which is a, you know, <laughs> moving not only to a different town, but a different country, a different, uh, different culture and all of that. So uh, be praying for the coals if you would. Um, but it was good to be with them and to hear from them. I, I got to then have breakfast with them and with Pastor Judy uh, Thursday morning before they headed on to the next town where they were going to be speaking. And um, to hear them talk about, you know, some of the good things about their country, some of the frustrations about their country with their political leaders. And, uh, and he, he hinted at that some on, uh, on Wednesday night, if you want to go back and, and listen to that. Uh, you know, there's no country that is perfect, right? Every country has its problems. Uh, has its moments where we find ourselves frustrated with those that are in charge, right? Some countries have, you know, things better than others, perhaps, right? Some countries are a much bigger mess than others, and, and of course, we can all disagree about why that might be, right? Uh, but one of the things that has bothered me sometimes is when I hear my fellow Americans, especially uh, Christians, who, who talk as if, like, as if, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with our country, um, as if, like, any critique of it means that you don't love this country. Um, the, the phrase that I hear a lot is that, you know, we are the greatest country on earth. Um, and I, it's the kind of thing that I think a lot of us say from time to time. That, that always kind of bugged me when I would hear people say, like, oh, man, we're the greatest nation on earth. And, like, nobody compares to America. Because I think, well, but I, I know some people who live in Canada, and they kind of like their country, too. You know, or I know some people who live in Europe, and they really like their country, and they... Their country's got some strengths and, you know, that are you know, maybe better than some things we could learn from, and, and I'm sure they have some weaknesses too, but this idea that we're, just, that we're the best and talking that way is, is sometimes frustrating. I mean, I think, like, well, how would our missionaries feel if we were like, like hey, you know, glad you live there, but, man, America's the best. You know, uh, we're, our country's better than your country or something. And what he said that helped me is he talked about when he was a kid buying a Mother's Day card for his mom. And... Uh, and looking through all the cards, I think he said he was like eight or nine, and, and he, he said even then he had this um, very strong sense that like, uh, like he needed to be honest. He had this real strong sense, I don't know what pastor or preaching he'd been hearing, but like that God was always watching and that he needed to make sure he was telling the truth and uh, that there were severe consequences if you didn't. And, um, and so he's looking at these cards for his mom and he picked one out that he liked, but the sentiment on the card uh, was like, uh, 
you know, to the, to the best mom in the world or something like that. And he thought, there's probably a mom out there somewhere that's better than my mom, right? I mean, there's probably a mom out there somewhere who's like, you know, given her life to rescue her kids or something. And my mom's great, but she's the best in the world, you know? And, and he struggled with this as a, little, as a little child. You know, can I say this? And eventually he realized like, wait, for me to say that my mom is the best in the world is expressing something of my love for my mom, you know, and the relationship that I have with her, that that he is, you know, he can't imagine having a better mother than her, you know, that he loves her in a, in a way that, like, superlative language like this is, is, is appropriate and is good and says something true about how he feels about his mom and how he loves his mom that isn't comparing his mom, really, to all the other moms in the world. And he said that, he realized, like, oh, that's a little bit like the superlative language that we use about our country. You know, that we, we feel like we live in the greatest country on earth. Like, oh, once I put it in that kind of category, I thought, okay, so, all right. So maybe when we say those kinds of things, it's not that we mean like, it just means like we love our country, you know, that we are so glad to be a part of this country, that we love the things that make it great, that we love its values, and we love so much about it. It doesn't necessarily mean that we think your country over there stinks or your country over there is, you know, garbage or whatever. Um, so once I got it in that kind of category, I thought, okay, okay, that, that can be a part of loving the land that God has placed me in, you know, loving the, the, the city that he has placed me in, loving the country that I live in, uh, that I get to have this dual citizenship in. It's a part of seeking the peace and prosperity of this place. It's, it's okay to love it, um, but it's probably not okay to tell others, hey, if you don't love it the way I love it, you should just leave, <laughs> right? If we love our country, then we're going to be, we're going to sometimes critique it. There are going to be times that seeking the peace and prosperity of our country means having to point out some of our things that we're not getting right and point out some things that need to change and to, to perhaps vote someone out of office or to vote for someone else or to you know, push for, uh, for reform. That's a part of loving our country and seeking its peace and prosperity, which is what God commanded his people to do as exiles in a foreign land and I think is probably part of what he commands us to do living as foreigners and exiles here. Okay, we've just got a, a couple more minutes, and, but I want to cover the scriptures on that next page, uh, get us into the, back into the New Testament a little bit. Jesus, on one occasion, was approached by some people who were trying to trip him up, and uh, they asked him, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? And uh, this was a part of living in Roman culture at that time was you had to pay taxes to Caesar, right? To, to fund the soldiers who were in your town who were <laughs> oppressing you, uh, Right? And so, of course, they didn't want to pay those taxes, um, and they thought they had Jesus in a bind. You know, hey, if he says we should pay the tax, then people are going to think, oh, he's a supporter of the Roman oppressors, and they're not going to like that. If he says we shouldn't pay the tax, oh, well, then we turn him over to the Romans and say, hey, this guy's, you know, telling people not to pay their taxes. But it says, Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. That's the coin that they used. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? Whose inscription? You know, whose, whose picture's on this coin? What, what's it say there? Oh, that's, that's Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And it says after that, that this amazed them. You know, like, like, wow, okay. He, he figured his way out of our little trap, you know, and gave us something to think about, something to ponder that like, you know what, Caesar has a role, and it's okay to give back to him the coins that he has minted and is using to, for commerce here in this country. That's fine. But, uh, but God has a claim too. 
And you need to make sure you're giving God what is due to God. Give Caesar what's due to him, sure. But give God what's due to God. And uh, part of what he's saying there is that, like, Caesar doesn't own you, right? The government doesn't own you. Um, God owns you. The Bible says we are, he has placed his stamp, his image on us, that we are created in the image of God, that we have a responsibility to God that transcends our responsibility to Caesar, to the government. And so Jesus places this in a, in a, in a, in a different framework, a different way of thinking. Like it's, it's okay to participate in civil society. It's okay to give Caesar what is Caesar's. It's okay to respect the emperor uh, and his governors, even if you disagree with them, even if you didn't vote for them, even if you don't like the way they're leading things. It's okay to respect them and to submit to their authority. But make sure you're giving God what is God's. Make sure that he has your ultimate allegiance. This, uh, this, this holy nation that we are as a people, as the church, this chosen people, this royal priesthood, and I, I might return to some of these images and dive into some of these in, in future weeks. Um, this is not, you know, this, is, this is a multinational thing. You know, we have brothers and sisters around the world and throughout time. And we're reminded of this when we get to Revelation uh, in chapter 5. It's got this image of uh, people gathered around God's throne singing to Jesus. So they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So again, using that image of like God has brought people from every nation who, who previously weren't a people. They were, you know, Americans and Canadians and Sierra Leoneans, and you know, they were all these different things, but now, God, you have brought them to yourself. You have purchased them for yourself with the blood of the Lamb, with the blood of Jesus. And you've brought them, made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Reign on the earth like Jesus reigns, right? The one who gave his life for sinners like us. This is, uh, the, the borders of this nation are, are wide open, you know, of the, of the kingdom of God. It's open to whoever will come. The famous verse from John chapter 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. The doors are open to to everyone. Welcome to be a part of this multinational, multi-ethnic, multi-language, this amazing people of God, chosen by him, treasured by him, called to be holy as he is holy, called to see ourselves as our, our true allegiance, our true citizenship, our, our true values, they, our identity, come from him and being a part of his people, his family. And this is open to all of us. And so in, in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He's like, we, once we just looked at the people the same way everybody else did, like, oh, we're Americans and we put Americans first or whatever. You know, oh, you're part of that party or you're part of this other group. Says, no, no, we don't, we don't view people the same way anymore. It says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sins against them. That's an amazing thought, that God is reconciling the world to himself. He's not counting people's sins against them. Let me just testify. I, for one, am glad that that is true, (laughs) that God is not counting my sins against me. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, talking about Jesus. Jesus took our sin on himself so that he could share with us the righteousness of God, God's holiness, so we could be his holy people, his holy nation. So as I think about who I am in the world that I live in, here in the United States of America, you know, I'm, I'm a citizen of this country, and I'm glad to participate in it, and I'm glad to, to wave the flag and to salute it and to, to stand as it goes by in the parade yesterday, you know, to applaud those who serve us uh, in our military and in other ways. Um, I, I'm glad to be a citizen of this country. But I have to remember that I'm, I've got dual citizenship. I have to remember that ultimately this, this country is temporary. For however long the United States of America will last, it will not last forever. But I am a citizen of a kingdom that will not crumble, will not fail. I'm a citizen of a kingdom that is coming in its fullness when Jesus Christ returns. That is where my true allegiance lies. That is, the, that is the leader, that is the Lord who gave his life for me so that, so that I could be saved, so that I could be rescued from a life of darkness, so that I could experience the light and love and grace of God. And so as I live here in this world, I'm not just a citizen, but I'm also an ambassador of another country, of another nation, of another people. And that's an image that we might want to carry with us as we go on, you know, back to our neighborhoods, back to our families, back to our workplaces, our schools, all the rest, that that we are ambassadors to the people of this land that that God has sent us to, that we represent Christ, a a different set of values, uh, an opportunity for others to be a part of this, this new people. We can, we can implore people, invite people to experience the reconciliation that God has made possible through Jesus Christ. Or as, as he put it in Colossians chapter 1, uh, kind of starting mid-sentence because it was long. It was one of those big, long sentences that the Apostle Paul writes sometimes. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and let's give thanks to him uh, for what he has done for us. God, we are thankful that you have rescued us from the, the dominion of darkness. We were slaves to sin. We were confused in our allegiances not just allegiance to country, but allegiance to self, allegiance to our sinful desires. God, these were the things that had captured us and captured our hearts, and you came and rescued us through Jesus Christ. You you yanked us out of the dominion of darkness and have placed us in the kingdom of your beloved Son. You have embraced us as your kids. You have given us full citizenship in your country, in your holy nation. You have qualified us. Because we could not qualify ourselves. We, we could not meet the standards. 
but you have made it possible for us to be a part of your holy people. So God, we, we give thanks for this today. And we celebrate this with the, the celebration of communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We thank you, God, for the love you have shown us in him, that you did not send him to condemn us, but to save us. God, we do give you thanks for all that we enjoy as American citizens. At the same time, God, we recognize that we are part of this bigger family. And we give you thanks for those, those shared bonds that we, uh, that we share with people from Sierra Leone, people in China, people in Russia, people in Ukraine, people all over the world, God, even who sometimes find themselves in nations at war with each other. God, we thank you that we are part of this much bigger nation that you are bringing together. And we look forward to that day when we will gather around your throne and sing to you and worship you right there. Until then, God, we gather in all of our separate little places, all of our different churches, just like this morning, there will be Christians gathered together in pretty much every nation on the face of the earth, celebrating the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ in so many different languages and so many different ways. God, we are so grateful that right here, right now, we get to give you thanks for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We can offer you ourselves, confessing our need of your forgiveness, of your grace, admitting the ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness that you offer us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that when we confess our sins to you, you, are not, you do not hold our sins against us, but you wash us clean. Today, God, there are some of us that really need to experience that. We need to have a real clear sense of your forgiveness, of your grace, washing away our sins. Would you help us, God, to know it at the core of our being, that you are not holding our sins against us, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, are going to enable us to live a different way, a new life as your people. You're going to enable us to live a different way here in the world from this point forward. Thank you, God. Thank you that this invitation is open to all of us. None of us qualified ourselves, all of us here because of your grace and your invitation. So we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Scott and Dave are going to come lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with the basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free and the, and the little cups if you would rather take one of those. Or if you don't even want to gather together uh, in the procession, you can grab one of those off the table and, uh, and peel it back and get to the bread and the juice and celebrate with us as we sing. This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today from where, whatever our background might have been, whatever other citizenships or allegiances we might have, we are invited to, to give our, our full allegiance to Jesus Christ.
to give him thanks for the love he has shown us. Let's do that. Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, making us holy, inviting us to be a part of your holy people, your chosen people, this, this new nation that you're pulling together from all over the world. Help us to live well this week as your ambassadors, led by your spirit, full of your grace. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and in place of the usual blessing, God, thank you for the food. And for those who have prepared it for us, help us to enjoy our meal together. 
Amen.